Welcome into LJN Radio. I'm Tim Muma, and you're listening to Management Decisions, our podcast focused on upper management and the high-priority items within each organization. Today, we're getting an inside look at the Charles Schwab Corporation and how this highly successful company handles their recruiting and hiring initiatives. Joining us on LJN Radio today is Frank Hines, the Vice President for Talent Management with Charles Schwab. Frank, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Tim. Well, let's jump right into it. Uh, obviously, an organization like yours, people recognize and you've had so much success. But are you constantly on the lookout for talented individuals to come in or how does that all work with you guys? One of our lines that we use in the talent acquisition department is always be recruiting. We refer to just the acronym ABR. You know, with our great brand, the Schwab brand name in the marketplace, our reputation as a firm, it tends to attract a lot of interest from people who are really looking for a career with a sense of purpose. Hmm. And so we got that coupled with what I believe to be is the best recruiting team in financial services. It really uh, readies us for the talent that comes to inquire about opportunities here at Schwab. Well, that leads into the second kind of part of that question is, are you constantly taking in sort of these unsolicited candidates? Do you ignore them till you see a real need or how does that factor in? Because I'm sure, as you said, you get a lot of interest. We certainly review candidates who come to us through any one of our various talent attraction channels. And a few years ago, we established what we refer to as a set of candidate care guidelines, which helps define and direct our response to anyone who registers to our talent network or posts to a job. So we have specific uh, behavioral responses that, that we expect would serve our candidates well. Some just apply to our talent network in hopes that, you know, one day a job that fits them will be created and they could then proceed with the application. Others see a job and they're instantly interested. It just depends on how they choose to come into the channel, but we really don't ignore anybody that comes in that's qualified for one of our roles. Good. Good to hear. Obviously, for those that have applied or looked into your organization, I'm sure they appreciate hearing that. Now, on the other side of it, how do you determine the needs of the organization? How does that process begin? Obviously, as you said, it's a a constant kind of focus for you guys, but where do you start with all that? First off, it really is a never-ending process. Right. (laughs) It never stops. We, We meet on an annual basis when our fiscal year begins. So in the latter half of the year, we sit down, we talk about with our business partners, our senior leaders of the organization, and we ask them to share their plans for the coming year and their talent needs and gaps which might exist to grow their their part of the business and what talent they're going to need. So from there, we, we scope out the resources on the recruiting team that would be needed to meet those demands. And then throughout the year, we meet uh, with hiring managers, with leaders, with the talent management organization to make sure that we're in a position to always be feeding the company with the level of talent that, that we can acquire to meet the company's growth goals. Speaking of that talent, I'm sure those listening are wondering, well, what makes this organization tick? What are the types of skills and traits that you're really looking for in an employee? And understanding that, depending on the actual position, it can change a little bit. But is there a certain idea of what you're looking for when it comes to talent and the skill set involved? So we started at a somewhat higher level than even that. Just like everything we do at Schwab, our first question is, what do our clients need from us? Hmm. From there, we may determine that, you know, for instance, more staff is needed in our branch network or uh, more service professionals are needed to take client calls or technology is growing, for example. In general, we look for people who are interested in having a career with a purpose, something more than just getting a job. In general, we start looking for people who possess three general interests. The first is a passion for being a part of a client-centric organization. 
Chuck Schwab started the firm 40 years ago with really intense focus on serving clients. The second piece is a desire to work in a very collaborative work environment where teamwork matters. Sometimes people don't enjoy that, and Schwab might not be the right place for them. But for mm-hmm. those that do, it would be a great place. And then lastly, people who are interested in a socially conscious firm who allows and really encourages employees to get out into the community, give back to the area in which they live. And a couple of those items lead into another question that I had about that in terms of cultural fit and finding the right people and, and maybe why that's valuable. I think a couple of those items you just touched on does play into that, but are there any other details or specifics that you look at when you're talking about the value of cultural fit? So after we get by that general sense of you know, clients and collaboration and community, we then look at what does the person possess? Mm-hmm. So first of all, we ask, do they have the knowledge? Right. What is their theoretical or practical understanding of what's necessary to do the job? Then the skills, have they been trained? Do they have experience to do the job that makes them viable? And then the ability. What proof exists that they've actually possessed the qualities to be able to do what we need them to do? And then we go into that culture question, and culture does play a big role in our selection process. Our purpose at Schwab is to champion every client's goals with passion and integrity. So culture is important because it acts as our compass north. So even someone with the knowledge, the skills, the ability, but really doesn't get excited about serving clients, they they may not be that successful here at Schwab. So we remain vigilant in our efforts to attract people of really diverse backgrounds that fit that culture and the values that Chuck Schwab started the firm with. Well, yeah, I'm definitely uh, obviously happy you mentioned the idea of diversity there. And it can come in all forms. I think people sometimes pigeonhole that a little bit. But of course, finding that right balance, as you touched on there, I think is rather ideal. Now, what could in your mind or with your organization and, and the team that you have there, what can a potential candidate really do to stand out among the you know, wealth of job seekers that you'll be applying, that you might be looking at for your organization? Is there something that really can help them stand out? Or do you have any advice for those individuals that could stand out in these situations? The talent market is so rich right now. There's a lot of folks with many questions out there. I would say, you know, just on a pre-search basis, do a lot of networking. Uh, Everybody knows a lot of other people, so make sure the networks are strong and sound. Any referrals certainly help. It's not required, but certainly if someone in Schwab or a company knows a candidate, you know, can can vouch for their background, that, that helps. And then doing company research on Schwab or whatever company the person might be applying for, that that's really important. And then I would say, as they enter into the selection process, the first and foremost, I'd say to people, be yourself, know your strengths, tell your story, be able to, to share in a very authentic way what you're all about. Be, be clear and concise in telling that story. Having a, a sense of vision for the work that would make the biggest impact based on their skills and what the company's looking for, I think that would also be very important. Now, as we look further into kind of the process and the ideas of uh, how things work over there at Charles Schwab, what is the process in getting those initial candidates, which obviously you have many to look through, and moving them then into that in-person interview portion? What does that look like for your organization? The selection process is fairly well-defined. We get well over um, 100,000 applicants per year. And so you can sense that there's a lot of requirement to to sift through everyone that's applied to to make the the best match that we can. So we start out by having a series of qualifying questions, some basic things about the position and about the company that we're looking for. And then as candidates enter the process, we screen for a match based on those qualifications. We may conduct a brief phone screen. We have sourcing advisors who would sit down with a a candidate and and conduct a brief phone screen. It might only be 10 or 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. but it would just verbalize some of the things that we picked up in that pre-screen. 
then the talent advisor, we don't call them recruiters, we call them talent advisors, sit down with the candidate and select the most qualified. It could be you know, the top five or ten individuals who they'd go much, much deeper on in a conversation. Sure. Looking for specific behaviors, specific examples of what I cited earlier. And then, of course, we'd proceed with the hiring manager interviews, some which would be potentially with a panel, a few hiring managers, or we tend to do a, a fairly... A thorough process of selection here. So it, it could be, uh, like say, with a panel or with uh, a number of individuals. And then we'd decide on the best fit, both for the person and for our company. And we'd proceed to make offer and, and bring the person on board. When you touched on the uh, interviews there slightly, I wanted to ask a little bit more detail if you could. Uh, what is involved with the interview? If there's anything that's a little bit unique, maybe that you see compared to the rest of the industry, if there are any tests or assessments in any way, what are we looking at for the interview? We do have some assessments for uh, some positions within the firm that we administer, but not all. What we do look for is really that match of what I mentioned earlier, and that is, you know, what is their knowledge, their skills, their capabilities to make them the most unique individual for this position? And then we go through those culture questions about the fit for a collaborative work environment and, you know, focus on clients and things like that. Mm -hmm. So the the interview is very conversational, but it, it would be best for the candidate to have somewhat of a plan going into that interview process because, like I said, we are looking at a fairly large number of individuals for any one of our positions. Right. No, definitely. And I think uh, some good advice there for those listening who might be interested in maybe if it's even not with your organization, these obviously can apply to other areas as well. Overall, from your experience and obviously um, being able to see this from the ground level, what are some of the common mistakes that you see candidates making during any part of the hiring process, whether it is that initial portion of them applying, maybe the phone interviews, and of course, even in the in-person interviews, something that maybe you could offer up to individuals to keep an eye out for, or um, even for those maybe other employers listening, thinking, hey, if this happens, there might be an issue there. You know, what I'm most surprised by are a couple things, Tim. A common mistake I see quite often is uh, people not doing their homework. Mm-hmm. And they may be interviewing with, you know, three, four, five companies uh, at a particular time, but not doing their homework on, on Schwab, our history, our culture, you know, what, what makes us successful as a firm, not doing homework on the job, on the job's requirements, the expectation. That, that surprises me. And it's often a mistake because by the time they get to a discussion, it's a bit too late to say, you know, what industry is Schwab even in? And, you know, <laughs> what, what are your, your core values and things like that? Right. All of that is posted on our website and most companies have that as well. You know, when you speak about the interview and, and some things and mistakes I've seen occur, people tend to talk too much. Hmm. They talk through their answer. You know, you look for a particular response, you get to that response, and two, three, four minutes later, the individual's still talking, and the, the talent advisor's kind of lost in the, in, the, uh, in the response. The key, though, I would say, is, is a mistake that has the candidate not helping the talent advisor understand their story. Okay. So when I said before, you know, be yourself, that, that should take a lot of pressure off of candidates. Just nobody knows, uh, you know, a person better than themselves. So just kind of be clear with that story of what they're trying to convey. Not ex- fully explaining their situation. In some cases, a candidate may be fairly passive. They're interested in the firm. They saw a job, but they're fairly happy in their current job. So, you know, there, there's not a sense of urgency. In other cases, the person might have three other offers on the table. They should say that to the talent advisor. Let them know that, you know, if if this is a fit, we're going to need to move rather quickly. Right. And then the last mistake I I, I hear uh, quite a bit is too much or not enough follow-up after the interview. So if you're sending emails to the recruiter, to the talent advisor, you know, every other day, that's a bit burdensome. Right. Uh, Recruiters in this environment are very busy, but, but also not enough feedback. 
or not enough follow-up uh, can also be a problem. A couple months go by and, the, and there's no response. The job might have been filled or something might have fallen by the wayside and you know, not enough follow-up might lead a recruiter to conclude the person really wasn't that interested. Right. No, that, this is some great insight for, again, in this case, a lot of the uh, people applying for positions out there, I think, uh, hey, you're hearing it right from the horse's mouth, so to speak, as far as what these individuals might be looking for and what could weed you out of this process. I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but I did want to ask you, you brought up this idea that if you do have other offers on the table, that you do bring it up in some sort of way. Is there a tactful way to do that so you're not turning off the organization or that hiring manager? Because I can see it going negatively pretty quickly if you, I don't know, are boasting about it or you bring it up in a way that's almost a threat. Could you offer up a little bit of insight of how that conversation could be positive versus being a negative? Sure. And again, it goes to telling the story. Right. And it could be just very conversational to say, look, based on our discussion here for the last 30 minutes, I'm very interested in Schwab. Uh, I see some great potential for me to apply my talents at your firm. I do want to be clear with you that I'm also talking to two other competitors of your company. And I'm fairly far down the interview path to the point where I think I'm going to get an offer. And in, if there is an offer, just say, I do have an offer. I'm weighing that. So how quickly can we move forward? We want to be truthful, uh, but we want to be transparent. So we don't want to, candidate should not say there's an offer if there's not really one. But a talent advisor would appreciate that because if they finish the interview, they don't know that information and then proceed a week or two later to try to move the candidate to the next stage of the process, to the hiring manager, only to find out, well, I, I've taken a job at this other company. And the talent advisor, had they known that, might have acted a little bit more quickly. Right. Again, terrific information for all those listening out there. Frank is able to bring that to us today and definitely appreciate that. We are up against the clock. I did want to give you the floor at the end. And if you were, say, speaking to a group of organizations about their hiring practices and things related to that, without necessarily giving away all of Charles Schwab's secrets, of course, what would you offer up as a final piece of advice for those listening? You know, my advice would be I'm fairly, fairly impressed with the recruiting profession. We're very open as recruiting professionals to share what works and what doesn't. I go to conferences all the time. So I would share this. We adopted a philosophy a few years ago that we refer to as the RPR model. And RPR simply stands for results, process, and relationships. In no particular order, it's kind of like a triangle. So we seek to build relationships with hiring managers, with candidates, with third-party intermediaries. We establish and follow a solid process. Re recruiting is a very procedural craft. And so there's certain things that we have to do, whether it's system processing or candidate processing, follow-up, et cetera. And then lastly, it's knowing what results are expected from the recruiting team on a search-by-search -search basis or in general. What are the results expected? So following the RPR model has served us really well. It's easy to remember. If you can you know, make sure that all of those areas are, are satisfied, uh, you'll tend to have better outcomes. And there's, there's really no problem Hiring managers often bring us problems. To me and to my team, there is no problem to which there is not a solution. And being very positive about, you know, if a person leaves a company, that creates an opportunity for somebody else, as opposed to a person left and, you know, it could be a negative situation. But I'd really say in conclusion, Tim, that appreciating the profession of recruiting and at its core essence, the fact that we change people's lives. That's a pretty daunting task, and it really can send shivers up your spine when you think about the role of the recruiting professional in, in today's environment. We really create opportunities for people to put them in jobs where they can make a real difference, and that's what we try to do here at Schwab. 
I don't think there's any better way to wrap up this show. Uh, again, speaking today with Frank Hines, the Vice President for Talent Management with Charles Schwab. He's given us some insight into what they do over there, as well as some general advice and strategies for anyone out there who's looking to hire and even some tips for those that are looking to find a job as well. Frank, thank you very much for coming on the show, sharing a lot of this information. We appreciate it very much. Thank you, Tim. And if you're looking to get in touch with us, maybe you have an idea for another topic or you have feedback from a previous show, send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. Take care.